702 Sports Talk. Call Bushle on 011-883-0702. Right, uh, let's speak to the CEO of the South African Institute for Drug-Free Sport, Khalid uh, Galant. Thank you so much for your time, Khalid. Uh, welcome to Sports Talk. Hi, good evening. Uh, so of course we, um, you know, we all know what's what's happening with Chiliboa Lapele. First of all, doping in South Africa seems to be, should I say, a pandemic? And I use that word very loosely, especially in rugby at the moment. Um, should we be concerned about these sort of practices? Uh, obviously, uh, we should all be concerned, uh, especially with uh, younger players. Um, we should also be concerned if doping is cost sport because. In actual fact, doping is just mere cheating. Um, but uh, one also has to look as, at our society as a whole and how sport fits into it. And with uh, corruption being rife uh, in our society, uh, our high levels of doping should not come as such a big surprise. So it's very unfortunate that that uh, is actually the case. Now, in terms of Chiliboy Ralapele, we have heard his name and doping multiple times. He's been exonerated uh, before as well. Uh, but this time, third time, uh, the fact that he got an eight-year suspension, is it because it is three three strikes or is it just the severity of this specific um, uh, doping offense? Uh, yeah, the panel that adjudicated the method uh, looked at it as uh, two strikes. Uh, within the framework of the current world anti-doping code, uh, and that's why they gave him eight years. So uh, it, it could have been more had it had the uh, first the initial doping offence uh, stood, and had it been a third strike. Is that what uh, you're saying? Correct. So let's talk about the fact that Chiliboy uh, Ralapele and his legal team are going to contest this ruling, and and he's going to try to uh, prove his innocence in this, and he. They make all sorts of assertions that there was doping control measures that weren't followed to the T, and as a result, might have compromised this entire um, this entire case from the sample being not being sealed properly to it uh, to him having to give two samples in one container. Um, you know the, the you'd know the the details a little bit better than I do. Can you just talk us a little bit through those and also? I know you maybe can't say, but is there actually a case in this? Well, <laughs> it's not fair <laughs> of me to, to to comment on either of your two questions. Uh, look, the, the, the athlete has the right to appeal, which is the rules and regulation. He has the right to seek relief uh, if he feels the uh, case was adjudicated incorrectly and the sanction was uh, incorrect. Um, so he has that right. Uh, to appeal, and to be fair to the athlete and the process, uh, I should allow that process to unfold. Um, and so it uh, would be patently unfair of me to be commenting on the merits of his assertions mm. uh, uh, and that. So we'll wait till we receive the official notification from Mr. Rarapelli uh, for the appeal and uh, let that process conclude, and then we can comment on the merits uh, after the uh, panel would, uh, the appeal board panel would adjudicate the matter. Okay, let's quickly a then. Different, yeah, a, a different, a different panel adjudicates an appeal versus the first level hearing. Okay, a completely different panel. Let's quickly then talk about, um, there are a few things that were made mention by his lawyer, Hendrik Icho. Uh, one of them saying that there was a 12-hour unaccounted period during the transportation of this sample uh, to the Bloemfontein lab. Um, 
is that something that is a standard or is that something that actually should have not been happening in this instance? And how does it go about that there are 12 hours with a sample that is unaccounted for? Uh, look, again, I'm not going to comment specifically on Mr. Hugo's comments on transportation or hours. Uh, again, it's, uh, that process has to unfold. Uh, but what, when we do testing and we test around the country, whether uh, the test happens in Durban, Johannesburg, or Cape Town, PE, wherever the test happens, all samples are transported to Bloemfontein, uh, where the doping control uh, lab is uh, situated. Now, if you look at um, the case that uh, once happened, Ludwig Mamabolo, you might remember him in 2012. Uh, he, yeah, he had won the, um, the Comrades Marathon. He was tested. Um, and if you just read through the article now, there was an article, I think it was in Times Live, actually, uh, of that Great. case. News 24, yeah. News 24, thank you so much for that. Uh, and if you just read through the article, it almost seems like there is a... A lack of process, so or there's there's a shortage of processes in doping tests, and as a result, it seems like that is where the loopholes are found by all of these athletes, whether they're positive uh, or rather whether they're guilty or not. They manage, uh, like in Ludwig's case, to prove their innocence. Can you just maybe expand a little bit more on those processes? Are those processes set in stone? Uh, or am I asking another difficult question that you can't answer? No, 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 that's fine. I mean, in uh uh, the Mamabola case was a, a, a very big learning uh, lesson for SAGE. Um, but to give its context, in 2012, there was, uh, there was not yet an international standard uh, for testing and investigations, which is what the standard that we comply with now, and an international standard set by the World Anti-Doping Agency. Uh, so testing uh, has evolved since then, specifically for SAGE from the Mamabolo uh, decision. Uh, we reviewed our uh, procedure manual and updated our procedure manual and also looked at our training. The, the tricky part and the tough aspect of doping control, no, um, each, no two tests are identical. Uh, they happen under different environmental conditions. You get an out-of-competition test and in-competition test. So in-competition test happening after a Kaiser Chiefs Pirates game at uh, Soccer City in Joburg. It's actually an easy test because it's a nice facility, uh, such and such. At the end of the Comrades, at the end of the Ironman, uh, it's a makeshift uh, doping control station. So there are other procedures and precautions uh, that we have to implement. And the same like with the out-of-competition test, uh, where we uh, where a test happens at the athlete's training uh, ground or in the athlete's home, the environmental conditions are different. Uh, so we have to adapt our procedures and standards in that circumstances to protect the integrity of the test. So no two tests are mm. actually alike. Okay, no, and I absolutely understand that. Um, and it makes a lot of sense. How um, can it be that maybe these can be foolproof or made foolproof? Uh, essentially, you don't want, as you're saying, doping is cheating. You don't want a cheater. And I'm not insinuating that uh, for any reason that uh, Mama Bolo was a cheater, but you do not want a cheater to be able to get away with it uh, and find a way around it. Is there any way to ensure that this is foolproof? Correct. And on the same vein, that we are also, we also are required to be held to a very high standard. Um, as you can see with the Chili Boy uh, decision, it's a serious consequence when an athlete is caught uh, and the tribunal uh, panel um, interrogates our procedure and the way we 
uh, protect the security and the integrity of the sample. So we are also held to a high standard because the consequences are quite high. So if we um, are um, uh, negligent or not uh, stringent with our uh, procedures, the consequences on the athlete are also uh, very serious. And so SAGE is also held to a very high standard. Uh, we look forward to seeing this. How much time does uh, uh, Chilibor Alabella have to um, appeal this case? And um, if it is, uh, if it is, uh, his appeal is uh, successful. Is there any compensation that he does receive for uh, you know f- having to go through all this trouble? Uh, the athlete has twenty-one days from when he received the notice to lodge an appeal. Uh, in terms of uh, cost order, that is up to the panel uh, to decide uh, whether there would be a cost order. Uh, generally, in South Africa, um, uh, there has been um, only one or two cases where cost orders have been made, and the cost orders have been made actually against the athlete. Um, unfortunately, Sage was not able to recover uh, that cost from the athletes. Okay. Thank you so much, Khalid Galant. I appreciate uh, your time tonight. You're welcome. Have a good evening. It is the South African Institute for Drug-Free Sport, CEO.